Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 244. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang. I'm joined now by a very special guest, CeCe Hockley of Full Press AHL, who covers the Avs and Eagles. He's also a co-host of the Calder Farmstead podcast and the Front RNG Hockey podcast. So welcome to the show, CeCe. Thank you very much. Quite the introduction, Blaine. I appreciate it. You cover a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I It's... Uh... It's busy, <clears throat> excuse me, it's busy hockey season out here in Denver, Colorado. So it's, uh, well, it's busy hockey, period. Not just a season, it's just hockey. So yeah. and covering the AHL as well, you know, 31, soon to be 32 teams. You know, it's, uh, it's a labor of love, that's for sure. Well, yeah, mile high hockey and mile long uh, work ethic here. Look at this. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said. Nicely said. You had to convert from kilometers, but... Yeah, you don't, that was good. I, I try. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it, bud. Thank you. Yeah. You know, English being the second language, I had to work hard to, yes. to work on well, that one. I mean, you could have fooled me. Well done. I fooled my wife with a lot of other things, too. So oh, you're not oh. the first. Okay. Just, well, I'll just, all that, I'll tuck that underneath my hat and keep it. <laughs> keep it. Of course, it's in podcast land. So everyone knows now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her bad taste in men is not my problem. <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> all right uh so i brought you on we uh the canadians and the the avalanche co- uh, completed a trade colorado gets arturi lekanen montreal mm-hmm. gets justin Barron. so i wanted to go over a little bit of that and we're going to cover a lot with the ahl as well but sure i just wanted to get started right away in the meat and potatoes of this and talk about justin Barron. now i live in halifax I've mm-hmm. known Justin since he was about 14 years old, helped coach him in some of the, uh, the summer camps, wa- or go skating with him in the summertime um, since he's been drafted. But you've been watching him closely. So can you give us an update on what kind of progression he made since his draft year? Uh, yeah. So I know, obviously, the big story with Justin Barron coming into the draft was blood clots. You know, everyone was concerned. That's why his draft stock fell just a little bit. He was still drafted in the first round by the abs and everything like that. But I, I made a note. I had to go back through my notes and um, I, I looked at this game that I covered with Justin in the, the Colorado and Tucson series in early January. And I just wrote 
And, and it's just a real, a real simple note, just in the second, the end of the second period, I love the awareness and skating of Justin Barron. <laughs> like I just, it's just that one sentence. It just typifies everything. And he has improved so much. The abs, they did Justin well because they stapled him to probably one of the best defensemen in the AHL and Jacob McDonald. And they put him on that pairing with Jacob McDonald. And I actually talked to Justin a little bit in November of last year. And I asked him what it was like playing with McDonald. And Justin said that he helped slow down the game for him. And so, as you know, as a hockey player, if things are going too fast, you just, it's overwhelming. It's just sensory overload. And that's never good for a hockey player. But for Justin to say that, and, and for a veteran guy like Jacob McDonald to really, again, slow down the game for this rookie and to be able to shape his game as much as he has at the AHL level this year. I mean, there's a lot of critics and everything. They're like, well, he looked okay. And I mean, the pandemic year in the AHL, it's like, it was just kind of a year to get some practice games in, you know, J Justin had a goal and three assists and only seven games played last season, but you know, he's really improved his skills. Again, his skating, his awareness, I, it's just, it's really been fun to see him, you know, put that hockey IQ, you know, the puck position, the tape to tape passing. I mean, hell, the Eagles even put him on the first power play unit last season, and they've continued to do that this season as well. You know, they've really, as of really dedicated when they had him, they really dedicated themselves to developing him and developing his strengths. He's a fantastic two-way defenseman. And I, you know, not, not, wouldn't be surprised if he's a top four NHL defenseman. Um, down the line so I could gush and gush I mean it's been really fun to see his uh, his development and his improvement and um, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's you know very validating for you like you said having coached him and everything there in Halifax just that he's continued to build on those skills and that natural ability uh, that he had when he was a, a four, 14 year old and and up yeah and he's always prided himself on being able to play in any single situation he he always fought to get the penalty kill time and the little apple, you know, the little, the little carrot there for the power play. He wasn't someone that just wanted to put in the fancy stuff. He wanted to do the meat and potatoes work too, because he felt that that made him more versatile. Did you mm -hmm. see that in Colorado? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he could be deployed in a, a multitude of scenarios. Like, I mean, obviously, maybe not as a forward out there or anything, but <laughs> that was Jacob McDonald's shtick for a while, a couple seasons ago, he was a forward and defenseman, but no, Justin Barron. I mean, just the fact that he, again, you know, he could, he could play those power play minutes. He could, he could be paired with a, a Jacob McDonald. He ended up getting paired with Keaton Middleton as well. So much different kind of defenseman than, than Justin Barron when those two were paired together. But, but yeah, the fact that, Again, his major strength being skating, you know, effectively moving the puck down the ice in that way, you know, defense, you know, taking guys man to man, you know, being able to seamlessly transition from a man to man to kind of more of a zone defense. I mean, he, he can he can really do it all. He is he is the epitome of a two way defenseman. So, yeah, I would agree with you. He's he's just he's very capable in a multitude of scenarios and he knows how to how to keep his head and keep his composure if the play falls apart on the defensive end of the puck. And, and when on the offensive end of the puck, he knows what to do and not panic if, if he's got the opportunity to, to assist or even score a goal. Now, Colorado, the Eagles, the AHL mm -hmm. Eagles, they're, um, they're currently in fourth in the AHL in their division. Uh, so they're fighting for that last playoff spot. 
they've been there pretty much tooth and nail all season long. So how has that affected uh, Justin, who has been playing in that second pairing role? So the AHL did a funny thing this season. They actually expanded the playoffs. And so the Eagles haven't had to worry about it too much. I mean, they started off on a five game losing streak and, and that's never fun for a club, but they've, they really put it together. They had a lot of new guys on the roster as AHL clubs often do um, coming into a year, but, but Justin really got a chance to, he, like I said, uh, McDonald went down with an injury. He got a chance to, to be with McDonald for the first part of the season. And then he kind of went down with an injury in November and December, if my memory serves me correctly, but the Eagles have never, so the first seven teams, there's nine teams in the Pacific division out in the AHL this year, soon to be 10, which is baffling to me when you have seven teams in other divisions, but I digress. Um, but the Eagles have been kind of in the middle of the pack the whole time. So they've continued to win games. They have a rookie goaltender in Eustace Anunen, and they, so to protect him and to, to build a defensive corn from him, I think that's really the only pressure that the defensemen have had to do, you know, their first line pairing of Dennis Gilbert, who is, you want to talk about a guy that, that can sacrifice and block shots. And he's a defensive, he's just a great defensive defenseman for the Eagles. And then of course you've got Jordan gross, who is one of the best offensive defensemen in the AHL currently, you know, points he's, he's in the top three points wise for most of the season and everything like that. So it really took the pressure off of Justin being, being paired with McDonald or being paired with Middleton, you know, they didn't have to, they didn't have to throw him in, um, in that first pairing slot with anybody, you know, they, he, he really had an opportunity and I'm glad the abs did it because you know, as well as I do yo-yoing prospects, even between lines like that, you know, it can be, it can be difficult, especially for a rookie, especially if you did the NHL and AHL, which, you know, the abs are, are pretty good about, they don't tend to yo-yo prospects back and forth. If they're going to stick them in the AHL, they they're usually good about that. And if they stick them in the AHL and let them, let them marinate a little bit. There's a couple guys, you know, Kale McCarr, Bo Byram. Don't know if you've heard of those guys before. <laughs> no, who are those? Guys? No, no, it doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> so with those young guns up there and when Bo Byram's healthy, of course, you know, Justin can marinate and, and improve and develop. And you really utilize the Eagles for what, what it is and the AHL being a developmental league. Now the, uh, the there's been a lot of issues in Montreal with their developmental system. Mm. You're describing the kind of system that people who have covered the team in Montreal now have been quietly and then very loudly stating they wanted to see. So is this just an approach that they've taken because they're deep on defense or is this their approach with everyone? I mean, I would say Justin's really, he's really kind of the only like major defensive prospect that's, that's been sitting down in the AHL and, you know, they, they've got Martin Kaut you want, you want to talk forward prospects, you know, Martin Kaut's playing in his fourth season as a professional down the AHL there. So forwards wise, you know, Shane Bowers, and then, you know, guys that you call up, you know, your Kiefer Sherwoods, your Dylan Secura's. Um, I would say that they're pretty, pretty standard across the line, like whether it's forwards, whether it's, yeah, whether it's forwards, whether it's defensemen, whether it's goaltenders, you know, they don't tend to yo-yo guys, um, as often as I've seen other clubs in the AHL or well, the NHL parent clubs doing with their AHL teams. I think they're pretty good across the line of once guys are down there, unless some catastrophic injuries have occurred, 
and they need to call up those veterans. Like I said, Sherwood, Secura, uh, Maltsev, Mikhail Maltsev is another name that's played a few games for the Avs this season. So yeah, once you get beyond the injuries and everybody's healthy, I mean, there's, there's really no reason to do it. And yeah, they're, I'd say, yeah, across the board, they're pretty good about it. Now, the development that he's shown, uh, Baron mm-hmm. has <clears throat> since he's been drafted has been very, I mean, it's a bit, it's been impressive. You've seen it. Uh, people on the East coast have seen it, namely Sidney Crosby, who yesterday said that it was a mistake that Colorado traded him. I mean, he, he flat out said, I would never have done this in regards to trading Justin Barron. Hmm. Now, Colorado is deep as hell on defense. And was it really necessary to give up a top prospect to get a defensive forward? Like, can you give us a little bit of a background on what the real needs were in Colorado? Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock to not hear the Giroux news and, and Colorado wanting, you know, it was Colorado and Florida. I mean, yeah, he rejected the Boston deal, rejected the Rangers deal. So Colorado needing to add depth at the forward position, you know, and, and looking to the future as well, because Nazem Kadri has had a career year. He's probably going to sign somewhere else because of the fact, I mean, and, and who can blame him? He's going to make bank this off season, <laughs> you know, he doesn't get so, suspended in the playoffs again. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's that. So when your reputation precedes you and yeah, yeah. anyway, but <laughs> yeah. So, so you got Kadri, you've got, you know, the McKinnon McKinnons and, and the Rantanens and the Landeskogs. And you've got these guys that are, they're not old by any means, but they're, they're getting advanced in their NHL careers. You know, they're, they're late twenties, early thirties coming up and to have a young guy, to have a young defensive forward, like Lekkanen coming in and to, to acquire him that the, the way they did, you know, that can, also contribute. I mean, I, I think I saw somewhere that he scored or has contributed to points on like 93% of his shifts on the ice this year. Yeah. He's so, been extremely effective in yeah. generating chances. Yes. Yes. And I, I think I read that on an article, like what the hockey writers, I think Blaine. Yeah. Blaine Pavine? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Some, some guy yeah. named Blaine. I don't know. He, yeah. 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 He's, he puts out pretty good work. I pay attention, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, back to, back to lucky, you know, he, I mean, to have a young guy in that defensive forward role, like, and to, to be a middle six guy for the time being and to, to continue to, to deploy him and to get better, you know, it's like, it, it was a great acquisition in my opinion for, for the avalanche, you know, and it, and it sucks that they had to use, lose Justin Barron for it because he does have that upside. He does have that top four defenseman upside in the NHL. And so, but honestly, <laughs> like you said, the, the defense is, is pretty stacked. You have McCarr and Taze on that, that first line, you know, you have Byram, you know, again, once he's healthy, you know, gonna, gonna just give him as much time as he needs. But once he's healthy, you know, the, the acquisition of Josh Manson from, from the Anaheim ducks, getting a, a little bit bigger of a defenseman in there too. So, and, and you have kind of this, log jam at the position you know forwards you got four lines defensemen you've only got six guys so parting with baron in, in regards to like you said bringing in that defensive forward it was uh i mean joe sackick you know he he does what he does and i think in the long run yeah the habs are going to benefit for sure but the abs you know with all the acquisitions 
Cogliano, like I mentioned, Manson and uh, Lekkonen and um, Nico, Nico Strum. I, I, was, I almost forgot the pre-trade <laughs> deadline day. It felt like <laughs> felt like trade deadline, man. It just bashed us over the head with trade after trade after trade. Refresh, refresh, refresh on Twitter. It's like, all right, what's next? But yeah, just the fact that Sackick went out and made those moves instead of picking up like the guys that like the Soderbergs and you know the guys that he did a couple of years ago for that for that uh, playoff run. I I, I enjoyed. The, I, I think it was a good move. Now, do you feel like the playoff run last year where they came up short against Vegas really set the tone for this deadline? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't see how Sackick couldn't have that in his mind. You know, just the fact that he's got a team built on speed and, and you need a couple of those guys, you know, they, they go and pick up Curtis McDermott. They go and pick up again, Josh Manson, and they go and pick up, you know, these guys that, that are a little bit more gritty and a little bit more, you know, to keep the other team honest. And, and Vegas, I, watching that series last year, they, they kind of ran roughshod over the abs. And so it happened a couple of years before that with Dallas as well in the second round. So to, to get over that hump, to get to the Western Conference final, to get to the Stanley Cup final, that's the goal for any team coming into the playoffs, you'd hope. And so, yeah, I, I have no doubt that Sackett had that lingering in his mind when, yeah. when the deadline was approaching. I know Nate really wants that Stanley Cup, and I don't blame him. Um, yes. Another Halifax Mooseheads guy there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got some yep. Shane Bowers as well. He's another Halifax guy. Oh, I forgot that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with Lekkinen, he he provides some of that grit that you guys were just uh, just missing a little bit, and he did score the overtime winner to eliminate Vegas. So, did that raise his value? to Sackick in any way I mean possibly I mean you you can't I mean <laughs> the way like you know Cole Caulfield and Arturi Lekkonen I mean both of those guys the way that they've the young guns and of course I mean you can't you can't mention those guys without mentioning Suzuki as well so I mean yeah. it, it the the future is so bright for those guys in Montreal that, that all three of them have to wear shades that's the thing that they all got to wear sunglasses it's just <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you can't, you can't, you can't deny it. You can't ignore that. And and his, uh, I believe his overtime winner against the Avs recently as well. Um, yep. Yeah, I, he. When when you're on the radar like that, I mean, people are going to notice. And Sakic is is a very savvy GM, and he he notices these things. He notices those glimmers and those glimpses of like, okay, this this guy's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of potential. He's already he's already performing at a great NHL level, and he's only going to get better. So. Absolutely. Sackick pays attention to those little details and, and you can bet he was on the horn with Montreal pretty quick, probably on the deadline day and probably a few days, a few weeks before then. How much of an impact is the cap with this? Because you mentioned uh, Nazem Kadri possibly leaving for big money and you mm-hmm. do have Shane Bowers. You do have Alex Newhook. Uh, there, there is a relief that's on its way, but how much is of an impact would it be on the cap? Because Lekkonen is expected to be asking around 4 million. Is that doable in Colorado? I think so. Newhook still has a couple of years on his ELC, his entry-level contract. Um, yeah, I think, I think that could be a possibility. I mean, I know Burakovsky is, is making 4.9 million. Um, and then he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this off season as well. Yeah. I mean, 
I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely doable. I think it's definitely a possibility. And I think it's, it's in the ass best interest to lock him up because he's going to be a, he's not going to be a middle six guy forever. He's going to be a top six guy. And, and, you know, once you got your, your other forwards aging out, if, if, if Lekkonen is, you know, staying with the, uh, the organization long-term, then why not a first line, uh, first line forward grouping, you know, in, in down the road, who knows, who knows what that shakes out. But I think uh, cap wise, I think it is doable. Um, it's just it, taking advantage of, of new hooks to last two seasons on his entry level contract. And of course your younger guys, you know, just taking advantage of them being on those less expensive deals. Especially when they're being productive, like new hook has been. Absolutely. Um, so in your view, this is an all in season for Joe Sackick. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. The deals I think were much more, I think they were much more kind of uh, concentrated. Like he, he, he just seemed to, to want to address all the needs, you know, to bring in the vet and Cogliano to bring in the, the bigger defenseman in Manson to bring in, you know, the defensive forward, the young defensive forward in Lekkonen, you know, to bring in those guys and to shed cap space. I think that that's kind of an underrated move, you know, oh, yeah. with, with sending, with sending Jost to the wild and to bring in Nico Sturm, you know, it's, <laughs> it, that's the age that we live in in the NHL. So, is it an all-in year? I'll give you just I'll I'll just simplify it because I can go on and rattle on for you know I'm a man of many words and you know, a lot of hot air. But uh, in a word, yes, they're going all in this year. Which to me explains why he's willing to uh, to pay a premium at this deadline to bring in what some people would think is an overpayment, but at the same time. If you're filling a need and it does get you to the promised land, no one's going to care. Right. And, and Montreal's filling it, filling a need as, as well, getting a right, a righty defenseman, you know? Oh my and- God. They're so short there. <laughs> <laughs> now looking at the Canadians and knowing Justin Barron, like you do the Canadians as we recorded Saturday, the 26th, they're due to play Toronto. He is not expected to play tonight more than likely he's going to play Sunday night against the devils because they don't want to throw him in against one of the top Eastern teams. You know, they want to set him on the right path. So you go against the devils who are a tough team, but they're, they're not, they're not the Leafs. So right. where do you see him fitting in for the remainder of this season? Do you see him being uh, as impactful at the NHL level with the Canadians as he was with the Eagles? Mm, I would say no. I think he's got a little bit more marinating, maybe another season or two in the AHL. I think that would be healthy for him. Just stick him in Laval and, um, and let him, you know, as <laughs> I would say ball out, but we're playing hockey here. We're dealing with a puck. So puck out, you know, just let him, let him go off. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think he would benefit more in Laval personally. I mean, he, he's a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong there. But when you've got young guys that are still, like I said, mar- I keep using that word marinating, you know, developing in the AHL. That's what it's there for. Don't just yeah. yo-yo your guys. I mean, yeah, put them out there, put them out there against New Jersey, kind of showcase your, your new acquisition your you know, your shiny new guy over there. But I'd say for long-term, you can keep them in Laval and let them grow, let them develop. And then, like I said, after a season, maybe two, you can bring him up to Montreal again. The track record isn't very uh, isn't very favorable. I know Caulfield was in was with the Rocket, and it's like, oh, I gotta bring him up, gotta bring him up, gotta bring him up. <laughs> you know, they were very yeah. impatient about that. But can you blame him? 
Yeah, you can. I mean, it, it it can be easy to get impatient. I bet. Yeah, and and the issues he had were less to do with development and more to do with coaching at the NHL level. Right. As right. we've seen since he's just exploded since the new coach showed up. Yeah, that that uh, short king, you know, coming in and behind the bench and standing another short king, as the kids say these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt that there's been an impact there. Now, yeah. the plan with Barron, to get back on, on track a little bit, yes, uh, the plan sure, with sure. Barron um, was to let him play a little bit this season and then send him back to Laval because he is still eligible to play in the playoffs. And Laval is looking to make a longer run. Sure. So how much of an impact or how much weight do you put on AHL playoff games towards development? I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt. I think whether you're playing in major juniors or the AHL or even the ECHL, I think playoff hockey has a different weight to it. You know, the postseason, you, the fans are, they're, they're more fervent. You know, it's just a playoff hockey atmosphere. It's just, it's a different, it's a different monster. So to get guys in there and to, to have them play those AHL playoff games and for Justin Barron to do so for Laval and that, in that North division there, you know, you've got the Marlies that are, that are tough. Um, you've got the, you know, Rochester, you know, if they can figure out their goaltending situation, it feels like they're always <laughs> going through goaltenders, you know, for one reason or another between Buffalo and Rochester, but that North division, oh, Utica, how could I fail to mention Utica? They're going to be a tough one this year too. So to get Justin against those tough North division teams and to get them used to facing um, some North division hockey, especially in the playoffs, can't be anything but a benefit in my eyes. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for style of hockey because there is a definite difference between the West and the East in the the style of play. There is for sure. Yeah. Um, now we'll get a little bit onto the Canadians here. This is a half show, so I'll ask you a huh. few questions there. <clears throat> Looking at what the Canadians are doing, do you see a parallel between what Joe Sakic did at the start of his tenure in Colorado? A little bit, a little bit, especially with the refresh that the Habs have going on. You know, I mean, it's, it was a tumultuous time. I mean, and it's, it's been so up and down for, for Montreal, you know, going to the Stanley cup final, you know, against, against Tampa Bay. And then it just with the coaching carousel a little bit and now getting St. Louis behind the bench, the bench, it's like, it's just, it's crazy to me. Like just how, like, I'm like, what is going on in Montreal? Like you guys have, have been spoiled in regards to that Stanley cup of parents. And then it just felt like the wheels fell off and then the coaching changes happened. And then, yeah, it, it's, it, it's a little reminiscent of, of, I believe 16, 17 for the avalanche when they finished dead last historically bad season for the Avs, and then to turn it around and to rebound and to get, you know, at the top of the league to get that president's trophy, you know, last season, and then a few seasons before that, you know, it's just, or to get the division a few seasons before that, not the president's trophy, but there are some parallels. There are some similarities here, and it'll be interesting to see how Montreal navigates it moving forward and to, to be willing to make those moves to part with a, a young prospect like a Lekkonen. Yeah. I mean, it shows willing to, willing to grow and willing to, to part with some guys, especially to address a need like a right-handed defenseman, like we talked about. So that yeah. shows growth that shows maybe, maybe turning a corner a little bit. So yeah, I could see a little bit of a parallel from when Sackett took over as GM here in Colorado. Now, he, uh, 
Kent Hughes, the GM, mentioned in a recent interview that he's going to be taking a different approach to the draft that the Canadians have not had in quite some time, and that's willing to trade up, willing to move picks, willing to move B-level prospects to get the guy he wants. That sounds a lot like what Joe Sackick had done with his draft plan. Yeah, yeah, it does, and he picked a, picked a few guys. Um higher up the card as it were in the draft higher up the the draft board rather you know cal mccarr uh bo byram you know and and even the, some of the sleeper picks in the you know in the later first round like justin Barron, and and you go on down the line and everything like that and yusa sanunan you know he's he's in goal he's he's been placed in net for probably 60 or 70 percent of the games i think he's second in the ahl in minutes played like he's just they are just hitching the wagon to him and it's like all right you're 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 going to be in the nhl sooner than later so we're just going to get you as much practice here get you used to north american hockey but yeah back to the draft again a little sidebar there but back to the draft and i i think acquiring and i think yeah kind of taking the joe sackick model of general management and applying it in montreal might not hurt it would be i think it would be an improvement yeah, to be honest. <laughs> they're willing to try most anything these days, I'm sure. But to to model yourself after one of the best franchises in the NHL and and how they're doing it, and how they're developing guys, and how they're developing their stars, I think that's an important thing looking forward. Again, with Caulfield, with Suzuki, and then, gosh, I mean, trying to trying to think like what it, what it's going to look like here because it's just so much is in not in flux, but just, I feel like just there's like been such big paradigm shifts in Montreal that the future is going to look, it's going to look interesting. And if, if they are trying to model it after Sackick's GM model, then uh, you, you really can't go too wrong. I wouldn't think. I don't know if they're, t- they're purposely modeling it after him, but I've, I've definitely seen some major parallels between the two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if he does it accidentally and it works the same way, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, f- we fell into uh we p- fell into a playoff worthy team. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oops. I tripped over this cup contender. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just put this label on my uh, suit jacket here. Cup contender. Yes. Okay. There we go. I'll take this. All right. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to take a quick break and speak of a different kind of cup. Uh, Boxing Rock Brewing Company's puck off beer. Our partners at Boxing Rock uh, create a, an amazing product. So for our listeners, uh, if you got up at the break of dawn and spent all day drinking rink coffee while cheering your team under your hockey blanket, you and your dedicated waves deserve a super refreshing, perfectly normal beer to share with friends. So me and my friends at Beer League use Puck Off quite often. And I suggest people at uh, in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, give that a try. So that's Boxing Rock Brewing Company Puck Off Beer. Get the uh, sponsor in there. <laughs> and uh, some my way, will you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have 16 cases I have to give away. The, the question is, does shipping to Denver make it worth? <laughs> I mean, and, and you, the mile high, you know, the, the cams might get a little, you know, carbonation. And well, I mean, I if Coors Light can, uh, can survive up there, I'm sure this can. That's, that's very true. This is real beer. So, uh, that's fair. That is fair. I'll touche, touche. 
And I say that as a joke, partially because Molson also owns Coors. So, you know, there's that oh, tie in there. There is that tie in there. Yes. Um, Coors is just a hop and a skip away over in Golden. So. Yep. I've, I've sampled the product up there a couple times. Hmm. Sampled or more than sampled? I still remember. So I'm going to say sampled. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Things start to get fa- uh, phase, you know, kind of fuzzy. Then I'll say more than. Gotcha. That's the the line. That's that's the my standard right there. That's the yeah. standard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I just wanted to finish this off uh, on Lekkinen. So okay. he's got a very very dedicated fan base. You're going to notice a bit of a bump in following and. Uh, talk of Lekkonen on your social media and one term that will pay off for you in the long run is to use the term good stick Lecky. Yes. Yes. Cause he is very good at using his stick for gap control. So you're, it'll, it'll pay off. I actually uh, worked with a gal over at another website um, in my hockey writing endeavors. And uh, her name is Deanna McFerrin. Yes, and Deanna's a, a listener and friend. Yes. So, D, yes. Hey, hey, D, what's up? <laughs> so, D, um, I actually recruited her to work for this website. She had never done hockey writing before, loved the game, could tell she knew her stuff, and she just thrived and she continues to thrive. And it's, it's amazing to see her growth and her journey uh, now as an associate editor of this site that I used to write for. And um, and of course her Twitter handle to, to wrap it all up in a nice little bow is good stick lucky. So <laughs> she is definitely one that would hate you if you did use it. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and she, you know, living, I mean, yeah, Colorado is kind of a, a second team to her. And so yeah. this was kind of a natural thing. Um, if it were to happen then, but yeah, good stick lucky. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> the clip. The, the one that sticks out in my mind where he's walking to the locker room and right at the end of the clip, you hear one of his teammates go, good stick, Lecky. <laughs> yeah. It's just hilarious. It's like, I think this will catch on in Colorado. He's going to be, that's the thing is like Colorado is very quick to, to embrace like those personalities and those kind of catchphrases and everything like that, especially if they do well on the ice, that never hurts either, you know, yeah. but yeah, to kind of have that total package to, to be well on the ice, to have that personality, to have that presence and, and even kind of a catchphrase, as it were, you know, Denver is is a very loving city when it comes to their hockey team and a very loving city when it comes to their young hockey guys. So good stick, Lecky. Yeah, there's uh, one of my coworkers at the Hockey Writers, uh, Ryan Sporzer. He's going to be uh, putting out some work on who Canadians fans should be jumping on the bandwagon for. And my vote in our little Slack chat was, for Colorado, simply because Lekkonen's there. Uh, I have a lot of ties to some of the players there because they're they're from Halifax. So sure. I voted them. So be ready for a bandwagon bump. I'm I'm ready for it. And and you know, it's it's a welcome thing. You know, it's it's very strange to me. It's it's kind of a another sidebar. I'm good at those, Blaine, as you've probably noticed. <laughs> good or bad at those take your pick but uh i i noticed in the past that like there was kind of a goalie like trade program between montreal and colorado for the past 25 years like obviously from when colorado moved from quebec but 
you know, just guys like Jose Theodore. And of course, you know, even, you know, early days, Jocelyn Tebow, you know, <laughs> you know, to, to throw back way back then, but uh, Peter Budai, you know, you know, it's like, it's amazing just the connection between Colorado and Montreal has had on the goalie end of things, but you don't see uh, a trade happening between, you know, a forward and a defenseman, you know, of, of course it, it's just, there's always been that connection for me, you know, being, being a guy that kind of observed that when I was younger and, and to see kind of how that like, Oh, okay. There, there's that little bit of connection there that that phone line is open between Colorado and Montreal. So if the Montreal fans want to come on and hop on board the bandwagon, there's a lot of room. There's, there's a lot of seats, you know, upgraded bilingual, you know, there we go. We we're, we're ready to go. Man, you know, I was almost over the Patrick uh, Patrick Roy trade, and then you bring it up again. And it just it hurts. I didn't it say hurts. Patrick Roy. No, you didn't, didn't need to. I didn't say Patrick didn't need to. <laughs> Just flashbacks, flashbacks. Sorry, I'm oh. sorry. I didn't. I didn't say Patrick Roy. <laughs> there was a reason for that. I mentioned yeah. all those other goalies. I didn't say Roy. But, but you said course... Tebow. That, that was enough. Uh, oh, oh no. that's fair. That's fair. That is completely <laughs> fair. Sorry. Although, but... to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> Knowing that trading Roy to Colorado in their first year after moving from Quebec and watching them win the cup and Quebec not having it, that that was I, I could live with that. I was gonna say that was probably pretty 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 sweet for you guys. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Screw you, Nordiques. To this day, screw you. Wow, 25 years later. Yeah, twenty-five plus years later, damn, damn. Well, you, you get into a brawl at uh, at Pepsi Cuddy C with your dad and some Nordiques fans. It it leaves a mark. Wow, wow, yep. that's that is like family bonding, team bonding. Like, right? wow, that's that's almost Nate Bolu levels of uh, parental bonding. <laughs> Except we didn't start it. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you were approached on that level. Yes, yes. Uh, so I just wanted to finish this off and give you the opportunity to tell my listeners where they can find you and your work. So, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned in the introduction, so, so eloquently put Blaine, um, I write for, for full press hockey. So fullpresshockey.com, uh, a division of full press coverage, great website for, for all different kinds of sports. Um, we even cover pro wrestling too. So that's pretty neat. If, if you're into the pro wrestling scene, just we got bit. you covered. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Um, and don't forget to send hook. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, yeah, full press AHL. Um, the Twitter handle for that is FPC underscore AHL. FPC, of course, standing for full press coverage. My personal account is CC Hawk, S E E S E E H A W K. Um, obviously, kind of a riff on my first two initials there. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can follow me at those places on Twitter. Um, and then of course you mentioned the Calder farmstead, uh, me and Sean O'Brien, we cover the AHL. We are approaching hundred episodes ourselves. So we've been doing this, been doing this for a minute, covering the AHL and the coverage is just going to get dialed to 11 as we come up on the AHL postseason here. But, uh, yeah, the Calder farmstead, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on pretty much any podcast platform and, uh, front range hockey, me and Scott McDonald, he's been taking a little break, taking a little, uh, taking a little siesta. Yeah, maybe not siesta. That's not the right word. Sabbatical. Taking a little sabbatical before the postseason, but then he'll be back on board. Um, Front Range Hockey, again, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on any podcast platform. 
I'm a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get that hustle and you gotta make the, you gotta make those pennies. It's, it's very true. And there's a, there's a gang of AHL writers that I'd be remiss to, to not bring up. Courtney Bauman covers the Rockford Icehawks. Elaine Shercliffe covers four teams, Cleveland and three teams in the central division. She does a Elaine hell of does a job. Good work. Elaine does very good work. Uh, Jacob Stoller is a young and he's a young up and coming. Just he's, he's becoming a player. Um, great, great work for Manitoba. Great analytics work as well. And, and go fo- follow last but not least, go follow Sean, Sean O'Brien. Um, he is just an amazing, like he's an amazing analytics guy. Like I can't, I cannot say enough about him and I'm just completely brain farting on his Twitter <laughs> handle. It is Sean O'Brien 81. I don't know why I didn't, <laughs> I don't know why. Right Again, I haven't had my coffee yet. What's that? It's his name. <laughs> right there yeah, the exactly. Name. Sean O'Brien. Brian is spelled B-R-I-E-N 81. Just go follow his stuff. His AHL analytics work is phenomenal. So if you have any questions about any AHL prospects, um, his Twitter feed and his website is great. Um, and, and Blaine, last but not least, I want to use this moment to say I was pleasantly surprised when you reached out. It's great to talk hockey. It's great to talk Colorado hockey. And again, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now. And for you to, to reach out and say, hey, come on on the show, CC. It's been an honor and it's been a pleasure, man. You're, you're good people. So thank you, sir. Don't tell people that. I have a <laughs> reputation. Sorry. Okay. All right. You're, you're, <laughs> You're a dirty rat, Blaine. <laughs> Better. <laughs> no, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It was, I really appreciate you jumping on like this, especially, you know, just on a couple of days notice. Um, I, I like you, you, I've been following you as well. I've been reading a lot of the work from full press. We follow a lot of the same people. I, I rely on you guys quite a bit for, for the further AHL picture, as opposed to just that myopic view of just my uh, that one team system that I cover, so right. uh, I I suggest to everyone spread your wings, try different teams, check it out. So again, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, good luck in the playoffs. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, hey, at least at least you got Laval to look forward to, and and see how they do in the postseason. Yeah, that that hurts a little bit less. I do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Thank you, Blaine. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.
do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.